Bukayo Saka. Welcome back to Always Arsenal with me, Andrew, back again to discuss another Arsenal game. Well, sort of another Arsenal game. What happened there? I don't know. We're going to try and unpack it this evening. Um, joining me is Tom. How are you doing, Tom? Very well. Recovered. Dissecting tonight. Yeah. What a brilliant day yesterday was for different reasons. We'll delve into it. There'll be criticisms, but just a cloud nine. Cloud nine. Ollie, got to off, got off yeah. lie down for the last 24 hours. <laughs> Just about, yeah. Hi, Andrew. Hope you're well. Um, hi, guys. Um, happy, happy Sunday. Yeah, I know. This this weekend keeps delivering. Right at the time of recording, we're just hot off the, the second half of Liverpool completely battering United, which we might touch on later. It's not a, it's not always Man United or always Liverpool here, but we might we might touch on it later on. Um, but before we get going, we've got um, Tom's instant reaction, which is um, a, an instant reaction that definitely put um, hairs on the back of my neck when I heard it the first time so here it is live from the Emirates yesterday I have, I have no voice and I have no words um, very emotional coming out of that very emotional because you know whatever happens now the rest of the season is such a special year and you know you push and push and everyone's playing their part which I think is for me the reason it's so so beautiful and emotional. You've got Reese Nelson there, a guy who's been written off so many times, coming on and playing really well, actually. Really well, he deserved it. And then what an unbelievable hit with literally the last kick. And, um, you know, we're still alive, we're still fighting. What an unbelievable season this is. A day where we've gone 2-0 down with 35 minutes left and we've dug it out. Um, incredible scenes. Uh, what a club, what a United club this year as well. What a together club, irrespective of what happens now. There's been so many moments. We were, we were saying the other day on the pod, you know, the Enketia goal against United so late. The Aston Villa goal in the 93rd minute and another one today. And it's carrying us on a wave and I don't want it to stop. But I don't want the season to end, really, even if it ends in the most spectacular and amazing way, because it's, it's so special to go at the moment. And a very frustrating day all round, you know, with decisions, with the time wasting, with our sloppiness, obviously, at the, at the beginning of the first half in particular. A very frustrating day, ending in the most spectacular way. Um, I absolutely love this football club. So, boys, I mean, we said this was going to be the hardest game of the season um, <laughs> <laughs> on the pod last time. Um, we won't talk about our score predictions because I think we've, we'll probably have to retire from that, won't we? Um, I got the goal scored right for Arsenal. That's a 3 0. So, that's know. a 3 1. So I've got total goals. Well, to be, to be fair, goals. to be fair, of, of all predictions, getting the, getting the amount of goals scored right for yesterday's game is probably the only thing, wasn't it, really, that, w- that would probably be accurate because how that game panned out is just wow, what, what, what this game does to you. Um, Tom, obviously, uh, firstly, just thanks for that, really, because it's uh, sometimes you just kind of you kind of wish you were somewhere and sharing an experience of how someone else is feeling is, is always quite a touching thing. And um, yeah, just, just kind of your immediate reaction after, I don't know what it was, but um, you've, you managed to find the words in the end. Yeah. So, you know, as you put it out by text quite humorously, I say, I've got no words and I rambled for about a minute and a half, two minutes, but <clears throat> no, it's, it's an incredible, my, my voice is still struggling now to be honest with you when it was struggling when I came out. So 
I was definitely emotional. Probably wasn't as emotional as the voice note sounds, but I literally had no voice, plus my emotions were um, completely shot. We did say, to be fair, the one thing we said on the pod before with our predictions is that we had to come out professional. And, you know, and we all felt that if we'd scored first against Bournemouth, it would be the cruise that we all kind of predicted. And I still feel that now, looking back at the game. If we had gone out yesterday and been professional, kept it quite tight for the first five minutes, ten minutes, and then opened them up with a couple of goals, it would have been a cruise. But obviously it didn't last like that. Um, came out asleep, goal goes in, and the rest they see is history. I mean, what I would say is that even after that bright start from Bournemouth, I think there was a sense around the ground that London buses, we get one, we'll get two, we'll win this game. And then obviously the corner, the 2 nil down, and then it's just fairy tale stuff, isn't it? So, mm. um, yeah, I'm, I've, I've, I've settled on it. I've slept on it. Still brilliant. Still amazing. Still so, so much, very much in love with this team in this season. But yeah, just slowly coming to terms. All tweeted out as well. It's been a good 24 hours, isn't it? Um, what, I, what I'd like to do actually um, this evening is before we kind of go a little bit deeper, like we like to do, I just thought we would sort of spend the opening part of the pod really just talking a bit more about the emotive side of it really because some of the footage that has you know has gone round you guys were at the game um some of the some of this there was there was one I, I think I sent you guys in the group chat from Cambodia I think it was um and obviously the limbs at the stadium all the fans have been dropping the, the, t- the tweets throughout the day um Ollie this this was a game wasn't it that um isn't necessarily one for the for the statisticians out there more for the ones for the actual why we love this game so much and what it does for us yeah, absolutely. It's um, like you say, it's um, it was one of those where it, the, the the technical level wasn't great, but you know what what lacked on the technical side of things was kind of matched by the emotional side of things. And like you say, this I think now more than ever, maybe because I was there, there seems a real togetherness. Even at two 0 there was a few moan and groans, but you know, if we were to even go back to last year it would have been like a real sense of dread. Whereas, funnily enough, as soon as that second goal went in, the fans were cheer- not cheering, but they were getting behind the team for a good 20, 30 seconds until we kicked off again. So, yeah. So whilst the technical kind of aspect wasn't there, definitely the emotional side definitely was. Yeah, and no, I think there's been, there's been the inevitable comparisons being drawn with our Sharvin and Welbeck. And I just think that instead of comparing moments, I think we just need to obviously cherish them, don't we? And as Tom sort of articulated in his voice note, that we need to sometimes just stop really and just be in the moment and present because this this is fleeting, isn't it? And and, it, and just how it's fleeting, like the euphoria has obviously died down since yesterday, but we know that football changes by the day sometimes, doesn't it, in terms of how we feel about things. Um, and it's just about enjoying this special season and what a ride it's been and, 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 I don't think it's too light to say that it it does seem an absolute privilege to be there. Um, if you're lucky enough to go every week, like Tom is, then great. And, and I think if you can just sample a bit of this at the moment, like I'm lucky enough to be going in a, in, a, in a couple of weeks' time to the Palace game, and I sort of joked with Tom yesterday that I'd like to I'd like another last minute goal to sample this feeling. And like Tom's response was like, he'd rather it be five nil over by half time, which of course, like the the, the math the, the the cold heartedness of it, of course, I would agree. But I think Tom, you also kind of get why I want to also experience what you've been experiencing. Yeah, for sure. And you're you're obviously coming to to the, the Saints game as well a few weeks later. 
And um, <clears throat> I, I think I, I think they'll all be special now. We're we're very much on the running. How many home games left? Seven. Is it seven or eight? Seven. Mm. I think so. Seven home games left. Oh, um, doing the Arteta with the bit like the Arteta seven <laughs> minutes, bit like the seven goals that Liverpool spanked past United. <laughs> seven home games. Um, <clears throat> so we are very much on the track to beam now. And I said, look, you, you know, you just heard in that voice note that I don't, you know, in many ways, I really don't want this season to end, even if we end up winning the title, you know, which is obviously the end goal and would be incredible. Actually, it's just a privilege and a pleasure. I mean, I felt this way a little bit when we went to the World Cup. And I remember talking to you, Tim, and I was saying when we came back and we went to West Ham, I was like, oh, I'm glad it wasn't a dream. We're still playing in the same way, the same patterns. We're still playing quality. And I, I, I kind of fear this season ending just in case we come back next summer and you know, come back in August mm. and we're not playing the same way again. And then mm. this feeling is gone. Now, obviously, if we're coming back as champions, the feeling won't be gone. The, the crowd will be amazing and everything like that. But it's just that fear almost because at the moment, it's a, it's a pleasure, it's a privilege. Um, either the way the game went, it shouldn't be like that. Um, it was Bournemouth at home. We should have just been, it should have been more simple. Saturday, but, three o'clock, just... Yeah, yeah. I, I remember Greg Gary Neville saying, and obviously he's had a load of um, interesting comments about Arsenal this season. Um, I think probably not as ridiculous as some of the fans suggest, but some very interesting comments. Um, but one thing he said after Aston Villa, he was like, it shouldn't be this emotional, it shouldn't be this ridiculous when there's still 15, 14, 15 games left as there was at the time. And I kind of agree with him in a way. Bournemouth at home with 13 league games left at the time, now 12 clearly maybe shouldn't be that ridiculous, shouldn't be that much of a job, like a religious, out-of-body, um, emotional... I was literally in bit to the end, half crying, half cheering, half exhausted, just wanting to collapse, but also just hugging everyone around me, even if you don't know them. And it probably shouldn't be that way, home to Bournemouth, 12 months out, 12 games out. Um, but it's a very special place to be. Um, we've just got to try and ride that wave of emotion. And the thing is... That's why also, and I was, you know, again, in the voice note, I was so pleased for Reese Nelson as well, because that's a man that's been sort of out of the cold, you know, obviously a decent loan off and I'm come back, not really done it. And he's at a make or break now, age now 23. He isn't a kid at 19, 20, 21 anymore. And he comes off and he's playing his part in this, this phenomenal story. And it is a story of a season and it's a pleasure to be there. And, and, it, and it's a journey, like, uh, you know, you mentioned it earlier and also, you know, Arteta mentioned in one of his famous all or nothing team talks, didn't he? Where, you know, the journey is more, much more important than the destination. I think we're seeing that come to fruition now with the team, like the, what you mentioned, Ollie, at the, at the beginning of the pod about the, the, the drive that this team has and the character just to keep going and keep going. And you, you can tell that he's instilled that message in them, hasn't he, since last season, that it's all about the moment and, and putting everything into your work. And the rewards will come, and 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 I do think to to go to to piggyback off Tom's point there about the the emotional side of it, and Gary Neville perhaps thinking it's too emotional. But I, I sort of I, I get that I get his I get his point, and normally I would agree, but I do feel that there's something about this group and this manager that, that they're managing to they're managing the situation, and they're able to come down and analyze the next day at the training ground and have a good week of work and train properly and then turn up and perform on a Saturday. And I, and I think that's what's getting us through this. I, I, I'm not sure if it's going to get to this point where it boils over. Um, who knows? We'll see. I, I did call this game as 5-0, so, you know. Um, but anyway, let, let's, let's crack on then. So team news comes through. Um, Partey starts, which we, we called. 
Eddie Eddie's struggling with a bit of a knock um Artes, and which is a little bit of a worry. Maybe we'll talk a bit about that later because obviously Jesus is not back yet. Um, and there were moments in this game where I felt like Eddie's presence might have been needed. But um, the the big the big the big talking point, I guess. Well, may, maybe Tommy Asu in for White, but I don't know if that's a massive talking point because that's happened a few times this season. It's it's the Vieira one, Ollie, um, who starts. I was really encouraged, and we actually mentioned it at the lot at the end of the Everton chat, didn't we? Um, so we do get some things right here at Always Arsenal. And I was really pleased with that selection. Um, I've been I've been calling for Xhaka to be given a rest for, for, for a few weeks. Um, doesn't look himself. Um, although it was great to see him come on near the end. Like, who would have thought, eh? Who would have thought that years ago, Xhaka would have been coming on with five minutes to go to rescue something in a title race? I mean, it's it's what a story that is. Talk about Nelson, but that's also another little side plot, isn't it? Um Ollie, you're, you're thinking around the Vieira pick and I guess how the game started because although I think it should have been VAR checked because that goal shouldn't really stand um, because they crossed the line before the ball's kicked. So another VAR um, frustration. Um, but team news, Ollie, and your thoughts around that opening goal. Uh, yeah, in regards to the team news, I thought he probably brought in uh, Tommy Asu for White because he thought there'd be like a, a big aerial threat from Bournemouth. And obviously, Tomiyasu, with the height and, you know, very good in the air, slightly better probably than, than Ben White, but Ben White's very good in the air also. Um, so that, that didn't, well, I wouldn't say didn't surprise me, but that was kind of, yeah, that didn't really catch my eye. But with the Vieira one, um, I think bringing him in on a game like this probably meant that he knew Xhaka wasn't 100% whether it be fitness or, like you say, just struggling slightly. Um, but on paper, this was the perfect game to start someone like a Vieira because Bournemouth are not too physical in the midfield, um, very physical kind of in, in the defence. But this, again, like, like I say, on paper, this was the game where Vieira could maybe pick that pass, open them up early, get a couple of goals first half. Um, but it certainly wasn't to be. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, we thought he did well, Vieira, in the first half, but I think the second half kind of went by him quite easily, to be honest. We, we said we said off air, didn't we, at the beginning of the pod, um, Ollie, that the the goal was a was a was a situation where it's not a complacency thing, is it at all? It's more the fact that that we get caught very early by a tactic that was quite clever. O'Neill said he worked on it in the week. They pulled it off. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe Gabriel should clear it, but it's kind of one of just one of those things that that can happen. Um, and then they're in a scenario, Bournemouth, aren't they, where the, the plan was to probably park the bus maybe later on in the game, but scoring that early brings that forward, doesn't it? And um, I, I was expecting an equaliser quite promptly, um, and then it didn't come. Trossard, you, you, I, I, haven't, I haven't seen any any footage of the Trossard. He pulls up from a run back from a corner. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Mm. And I've not heard anything since. So um, he was holding his knee, uh, from what I could see, rather than his hamstring. So I, I think it could be groin, more positive. So, sort of groin, groin, sort of strain area, I think. But but yeah, obviously it's not great news. Um, but then up, up steps Reese Nelson. But we'll talk about that in a bit, obviously. But ESR um, comes on, which is an interesting one, isn't it? Because when that when I saw that on my on my updates, I was thinking, oh, that's um. That's interesting. That's a bit of a, a vote of confidence to someone that's played hardly any games, and we're one 0 Yeah, and 
and by by Arteta's admission after the game, the reason he subbed us up far more minutes than he wanted to give ESR. Mm-hmm. I think you know ESR was probably good for in truth forty five minutes, and obviously having then to play essentially seventy five seven. You know, you, you know it wasn't it was probably wasn't going to last the distance. Obviously, we needed we needed extra impetus anyway, regardless. Um, I, I think the start for me first of all in the eleven. I think this is the difficulty we you know the rock and the hard place that we've discussed before about our squad. You know, and I'm talking about the the Tommy Assi one in particular here, is that with Europa League coming up, we are going to have to embrace some rotation in some areas, and be, but equally, there's no two ways about it. There's a drop off in quality when that first eleven that we love, or maybe like twelve, thirteen, you know, doesn't start. And again, Tommy wasn't at the races in that first half. Um, and obviously Ben White comes on at half time, but no, Vieira, I, I liked it. Oh, we, we, like you said, we, we called it. We want, you know, that progressive, more technical eight against defensive teams is probably going to need, be needed in the running. And I think he did okay. I think he did good. You can see the potential is there. Um, but I still personally think this kind of, kind of the jury's out, you know, for me overall on Fabio Vieira. Um, and look, once we went one nil down, like you, Andrew, I did expect a reaction within the first half but the moment we didn't I, I was I was a little bit nervy and, and you know I, I dropped a note in the, in, in the group chat and I, at half time I was like it's a monumental 45 minutes I, I probably didn't think it would turn out as monumental or as spectacular as it did but it was a huge 45 minutes to come once we won nil down at half time we've lost Trossard we've gone down early we've not been able to really create clear-cut chances I know there's the Odegaard shot and then Saka's in close but it's a flashed kind of rebound but we weren't carving them open, basically. We had lots of pressure and possession, but we weren't creating lots. I think, yeah, I thought, I mean, there's that. And, and I think for listeners, I think when we say there was a lack of reaction, I think we mean on the scoreline because we were playing good, good stuff. You know, we were creating a few chances. No, nothing was clear cut in this game. I think that's probably an overall arching theme of it, really. But yeah, the football was, the fo- yeah, the football was good enough. Um, and talking of monumental, um, Ramsdale Ollie makes an, an unbelievable save for me. Um, yeah. in the first half. I mean, that is that is top, top draw. And 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 also, the plaudits will go to, obviously, the guy that had the last kick of the game, pretty much, of this. But I actually think Ramsdale, of late, is he's actually winning us points um, lately, Ramsdale. Um, what, what, did, what did you make of that save and Ramsdale's performance in general? In the build-up to the... Uh, in the build-up to the... That chance for Bournemouth, I think there was an offside. Uh, I think it was Solanke... Um, Trossard was, I think, running back. Um, but however, it wasn't given offside. Fine, no problem. Very close. I yeah, I looked we, at it. It's I, very close. I guess we'll never know because of Ramsdale's save. Um, but when when I watched that save back, he actually lifts his hand up to the ball. Where I just thought it was just a, a pure block. It, yeah. it, it's it's an actual save. There's gap between the striker's foot and and in his um in his hand unbelievable strength to, to be able to save that one-handed at such speed um, and the way he came out as well, he stopped the option for the um, striker to maybe try and buy a penalty mm-hmm. The striker, you know, he, he closed that gap so quickly the striker couldn't knock it past him and basically fall over so um, go on, sorry Tom I was going to say, they, they should, I, I think they should score That's a, you know, or, you know yeah, whether it's you have to back. score that like, you know, and the, 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 my fear at half time was we've played nice, but it felt a bit like Brentford or you know 
or Everton in the first 35 minutes until we got kind of like the, the, the Kaisaka sort of fantastic strike. Obviously, then the you know, flood gets open then. But my worry was we weren't actually creating a great deal of open opportunities. And I was like, God, if they nick a second here, we're really in trouble. And obviously, they do nick a second. Um, uh, that, you know, it's a good corner. It's a good header. It's one of those ones when you say a good corner and a good header. As the defensive unit, you'll always be like, we could have done better there. You shouldn't be scoring. You shouldn't be conceding from it. And normally, we're very good at set pieces, actually, our record. But once we go two 0 down, I don't know how you boys are feeling, both of you. But it's starting well, to feel horrible. Yeah, to talk to, just on touch on that second goal, I think that that with the Tarkowski header, I mean that's two of the most two of the poorest set play goals I think we've conceded in the yeah. last couple of years. Really, I mean it's so soft, um, and 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 and, it's a, and that's been a strength of ours. You know, we went. What, what was that stat before Tarkowski? I think it was like you know we'd we'd gone over a year without conceding from a set play. Um, and yeah, when that when that goes in, obviously it's almost like the first goal. What tends to happen at the Emirates as well is that obviously if we can see there's that roar, and then that second goal goes in, and it's almost like a shock. It's like this is actually like a bit of a, a stunner here. Um, and I would just say though, Andrew, on on that with when that second goal went in, it felt like okay, we know what the task is now. We have, we have to we have to attack. Yeah. It felt like it, the whole stadium went calm, and then it was like, right, we know what the task is. No choice, really. This is yeah. it now. We've Kitchen got thirty-five team. minutes to save mm. the season. I did. I did something on that set play as well. If if some butts are pots and pans, that like, but if Jacker's on that front post, you know, maybe he clears it. You know, you just don't know, do you? You know, on another day. Um, but yeah, obviously, the the the, the response was um, was was great and incredibly quick. The a quick fire. <laughs> You know, get two goals in 10 minutes and it's 2-2 after about 71, 72 minutes. And you're thinking, for me, at that point, I was thinking of a 4-5-2 job, personally. Um, that's how I thought it was going to go. More confidence. Yeah. After you heard me. yeah. Well, I was I was waiting for my five goals that I predicted. So, you know, it was... I, I don't know about you guys, but I, I personally, with, with 20 minutes left and we and the momentum of that moment, I just thought, well, it's inevitable now. Yeah, it's inevitable but, that we're going to win this game. But what I did also think, to Ollie's point, is the reason I didn't feel that way was that what happens in football is when you're 2-0 down at home to Bournemouth and you're chasing the league title, you have nothing to do. The mandate is clear. You go and try and just... We basically, we, we were going a bit kamikaze at that point, 2-0 down. And obviously, maybe a better side. There's a there's a seven or eight minute period where you're either going to get a goal in the next 10 minutes. Yeah, or they'll kill you. Or they'll get a third. Do you know what I mean? And obviously, if you're playing, you know, it's very similar, not very similar, but similar kind of thing happened to Old Trafford. You know, when they went 2-1, we, we went kamikaze then when we didn't need to to try and get to 2-2, but we just leave in holes and they're just going to get third. So obviously if it's a better team, they could just go and get third and then the game dies. Um, so the, my, 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 my worry when we went to 2 all, I like you thought, okay, we've good chance we win this game now. But I kind of felt in my mind, we need to score before 80, otherwise we might not get it done. Because otherwise, because the game's trying, you either carry that momentum, quickly get the third, you know, a bit like Liverpool at home, the 3 all, where, you know, it was my wedding day, 2017. Um, or you don't, or, you, you know, it even happens very quickly. Or maybe suddenly you realise what's happened in the game, the momentum slightly dies. Yeah, and then yeah. when it ticked into 80-odd minutes, I thought it was done. We weren't actually creating it. No, 100%. No, I, I, what, I, what I would add to that is that, yeah, I, I that that initial feeling of, like, the third's coming immediately, yeah. it did soon very quickly turn to panic because the, the reality sets in that, like, we have to win this football match, you know? Um, it reminded yeah, me a bit of um, when I was watching it, 
and it wasn't quite as important. It was early in the season. We could, we won the we did win the league title that year. But Aston Villa at home, 2001-2002 season, two 0 down. Paul Merson scored against. Paul us. Merson scored a nice little dink. Yeah. Um, we go to all in that game with a good 20 minutes left, mm. 20 plus. Mm. I remember being in the North Bank watching that as a, as a kid, 13, 14 years old, and um, it was on my birthday, and yeah, it was thinking we'll go and win that game. We're going to win that game quite easily, and then we don't. And then Omri scores in the 91st minute. And we win it three two, but there was like it was this period where we just like doesn't look like it's going to happen. Doesn't look like it's going to happen. The 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 income and goal kick that went straight to yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. exactly yeah um so yeah it's a, it reminded me a lot of that game even though that was over twenty years ago um in respect of like we quickly get back level but then actually the game plateaus again you know it's been like even like the Liverpool Milan Champions League final the famous one Liverpool actually level with like twenty eight minutes left. Yes, it's a free nil come back, but they actually get those goals yeah, in like it's, it's, that, it's, the, it's that exhaustion, isn't it, of putting yourself in to get to the comeback? And then... Yeah, and then you're suddenly there and you're like, okay, what happens now? How do mm. we actually go and close this game yeah. out? How do we go and win this game? And then there was a moment when it got to about 87 minutes where, although we were still dom- ball dominant, obviously, because Bournemouth at that point would shake your hand for a point, no, no, no two ways about it, we did start to look a little tired because obviously we've been, like you said, that emotional and physical pull to get yourself back in the game. And I'll be in truth, I couldn't really see a goal coming at that point. Um, but, but we have to talk about this because what happened then, there was also a flurry of about three VAR handball shouts in the space of about six minutes. There was obviously about five across the game. For me, the Tommy Asu foul is 100% a penalty. And I think the, and I personally think the, the, the one where Saka creates and um, is, is the clearest handball out of the lot for me anyway, because he moves his hand towards it. Um, and Reese Nelson's there, sort of ready to tap in, um, if you're not. But but the only reason I want to talk about that, and we won't dwell on the decisions, not after the way the game finished, but after what happened with Brentford, if if Reese Nelson doesn't score an absolute weldy in the 97th minute with the last kick of the game, once again, we've been potentially robbed of two huge points in the title race. And it's just, it's just, it's getting a bit sickening how we're still talking about the level of poor officiating, because I can't believe... There isn't at least one, if not two, clear penalties there. But anyway, yeah, I think what what bothered me with this was more the accumulation of of of, of shouts. Where at some point, subconsciously, you, you'd think we were going to just get one of them. Um, for for me, the for me, there's probably three that the more I've looked at them, there's there's three that I think on another day you get all three of them. The Tommy Asu one was very similar to Jesus against Liverpool. I thought um, the Mepham handball in the first half, where he pretty much. Sort of catches the ball really um, with his arm. I mean, that's to get away with that is quite quite lucky. And yeah. then, yeah, the, the more I look at the Saka one, yeah, that the, the, it's he's clever. He's clever. It's very very clever movement because because whenever the ball hits you in this position of the arm and you're sort of just leaning with the body, yeah, it's yeah. quite easy to get away with. I think. Yeah, um, but it's definitely the lift of the arm. Yeah, yeah. To, to to get to hit the ball, you know. Yeah. And then there was the Odegaard one when he basically saves it. <laughs> And um, yeah, and, that, and at that point, Ollie, at that point, I actually thought that was the one I thought we were going to we were going to be given because of the yeah. accumulation. That would have been the harshest one, really. Yeah, yeah. Because um, because of the proximity to him. Um, but even the Solanke one, I think I can't remember who was challenging him on the line. The ball was, and they both sort of went in. For I think he went up and he's yeah, spilling. I think it might have been his wrist. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, look, look, we're not going to talk about it because it is. But it's just. Look, what I would hate to be doing, having this special season, 
it's worth there's a moment like that in the last game of the season or whatever. How will that feel? Do you know what I mean? Like, um, so let's hope that that's not the case um, because mm. I think what we bear witness to at the end of there was was very special. Before we talk about the moment itself, because we'll all have our own feelings and thoughts and it'll be nice to know how you each witnessed it and the way you listened to the radio. Andrew, did you have a dodgy stream? Did you, you know, were, were you just sort of refreshing you know, your, your, your betting app of choice or your live score app of choice? Um I wanted to just say that Reese Nelson's cameo was actually very good. We, this isn't just a yeah. I wanted um, to talk about Reese. Yeah, this isn't just a wonder goal, which it was. But he came on and he looked ridiculously good. I was saying to the the gentleman who sits next to me in the in the ground, um, it's you know it's just weird football. Like the, the guys sat there had those tickets for five years next to me. Don't know his name, but you say hello and you chat every time you get there. So it's, it's football is like that, isn't it? But anyway, and Reese was so good when he came. Unlike everyone else, he was very composed. His crosses were good. He was he ne- he looked very assured on the ball. Didn't look like an ounce of panic. That was going to be needed in a few moments later. <laughs> it, it, well, it was. And I, and I texted you, and we were both talking about what says a lot about the culture and the confidence of the group and the the willingness to step up and take that responsibility. The guy's twenty three. He's been in and out of the team. He's not the Kaiyasaka. He's not a superstar of the club. Somewhat playing for his future, whether that be in an Arsenal shirt or elsewhere. And he has the confidence just to hit that, shift it onto his left, his weaker foot, and hit a shot like that. That's outrageous. Easily, could you know, just try like a poor little loop back into the six-yard box, you know, just to try and put it back into the danger spot. And no one would have blamed him, really. We wouldn't be sitting here on the pod tonight saying, Reese Nelson cost us by not pinging it in the top bins from the edge of the area. None of us would be sitting there saying that. You know, we wouldn't say... We might have said, I oh, should have shot there. But no one is sitting there blaming him for the you know, points. Rightly so. You couldn't blame him for that. But what he does is he shifts it and he hits it. And what a hit. But what, what a cameo. And and you, we don't know. If Trossard is out a few weeks, Reese Nelson could suddenly be very much on the menu for the next few weeks. And, and everyone's going to have to play their part in this title race. Mm. It's, a, it's, a funny, um, it's a funny old game, isn't it? Because about three weeks ago, we had, an, we had a, a euphoric moment at Villa. Um, and that time, it was a 31-year-old European champion who decided to, as the ball rolled across him, to, to have a pop. And in a scenario where if it would, might have been someone like a Partey, for example, who would have just taken that ball and, and knocked it out wide to Saka for, you know, for another build-up play. And Jorginho decides to take it on. And when he does it, it's because he's experienced. You know, he's been there and done it. You know. But Reese hasn't. But what it was was just complete faith in ability and bravery and her heroics really I mean the more I watch it it gets better and better Ollie um that strike it really does and and I said this to Tom earlier after I've watched the highlights I know how many times we've probably seen that goal in the last 24 hours it's probably is insane but um every time I watch that corner come in and it drops I actually can't believe what he's about I just can't believe he actually scores it Oles. no because the amount of bodies he had in front of him and Big shout out to Reese as well uh, in the fact that he has to adjust his feet so quickly because it looks like he wants to hit it on his right naturally. It's his stronger foot. But the, he does a very quick adjustment of his feet to get him in a position to shoot with the left. Otherwise, a split second later, and that defender's there blocking the ball and he's going to have to maybe play it out wide or, like you say, Tom, just try and loop something in the box. You know, very much loop it into the box. You know, you know, Give, give away responsibility and just go, well, I'll put it in the box. No one was there and start shouting and screaming at others. But like you say, it probably comes back to that togetherness, that culture 
to to take these risks and you know I suppose when you look at Man City you look at okay I'm not comparing Reese Nelson to someone like a De Bruyne or a Gundogan but they're not thinking about chipping it back into the box you know when their title you know season yeah. could be defined by it they're, they're hitting it so we're starting to show kind of champions mentality mm. and, and traits that you know if, if we are going to go and do it then it's going to be moments like that and Jorginho that, that, that are going to be the most you know symbolic well they say don't they you know it's it's daring to be great, isn't it? And and that's what the that's what the that's what winners. That's the biggest challenge sometimes. Yeah, and that's what winners. The, you have the to mentality. And on any other given day or moment, that that shot with his weak foot, just I was not even the cross back in guys, but even just slicing that high and wide for a goal kick, and then it's just a two two. We've dropped points against Bournemouth, and we're we're just so flattened, you know. Um, but but I, I do I do wanted to bring up two comparisons because I I do think it's sometimes nice to give some context. Obviously, people have been going on about the celebration police, but um, I can remember Pep and City going absolutely nuts when Sterling scored in the ninety eighth minute against Southampton a couple of years ago in Southampton, where I think we we're in a relegation dogfight at the time. Yet when they did it, it wasn't celebration police, right? And the goal that really stands out for me with this, and I mentioned this to Tom, is the Makeda one for for United against Villa. Back in, I think, 09, I think he swivels on the edge of the box and it's the famous Tyler, like, Makeda! And they're just, they're, they're all piling over him. That I'm like, who would have thought Makeda, you know? And and we've never heard of him. And hopefully Nelson's career doesn't go like that. But um, yeah, I, I just thought, I, what I'd wanted to ask you really is if you could pick a player's celebration that you loved the most out of that limbs, what would you go for? Because they've all been long. doing the rounds, haven't they? <laughs> The fact he doesn't know, he's like, he, he doesn't, doesn't know, know where to, do, where to go. He just runs up to the corner flag and boots it. Yeah. I love it. Uh, for, me the, for me, the two are, because it was most similar with the RAR, because of Gabriel and um, Odegaard. Gabriel almost collapses into the turf face down. Um, and Odegaard as well. I said it last week in the pod and I'll keep on saying it. The shift Martin Odegaard puts in is, is unbelievable. And you can see he, what I love about him is that when the going's tough in that last 15 minutes, like I said, we weren't actually creating that much. It didn't look like we, which you could argue is his job as that, as that playmaker. But he was demanding the ball. He wanted the ball and he wanted to be the guy that would make the decisive moment happen. And the relief on him when that ball hits the nets and he just obviously falls onto his back, the ecstasy. Um, yeah, like... I'm very proud of having him as captain of this football club. So for him, him and him and Gabriel just collapsing. Obviously, there's the Ben White up to NATO as well after all the time wasting. Henri Kirkland um, vibes that was. Uh, yeah, Ginger, I've got to say something about the time wasting because I know it's bad when you watch the TV, but who, every week now is so annoying in the ground. And I, I want a referee. To, why don't referees just send off keepers for dinner? Because if the, again, you don't need to do it every week. The moment you set a precedent, keepers will just stop doing it. But, yeah. Because, like, they'll just, they will, they, you know, you send one keeper off in the league and just say, look, that's the standard now. You hold the ball for that long, you'll just get a red card. They'll, it'll just stop it overnight. It's just, it does sometimes seem that, like, they just, they'll, they'll give a yellow, but you know, as a keeper, they're never giving two yellows for this. So you just keep on doing it. For, for me, the issue for me is, I, I, I just think that the yellows come, they're too late. Yeah. They're too late yeah. in the game. Like, like Emmy Martinez was booked after the 84th minute. It's like this, this is what he wants to do. Like, this is his plan. Yeah, so, like yeah. to get booked with five minutes to go so that he doesn't get sent off. Like, and NATO was booked after about 70 something. It's like, come on, like, like book, book them, 
in the first half when they've done it for like the third or fourth time and then yeah. they don't you don't act yeah it's just, it's just poor officiating but like let, let's say there's a pod for another day isn't it i mean god that's a yeah that's a long one. Um, there was <clears throat> there was a moment of about seven or eight minutes where there were the three var checks there was some time wasting and we all know the stat that the football's only live for something like 50 minutes in a 90 minute game but honestly about nine minutes passed and i don't think any football happened and when you're chasing the goal and you know you need to score, you know, it, you, you're feeling in that moment, you, we need to score to keep our title hopes alive. We need to score here. And no football happened for about nine minutes because all these VAR checks and then time wasting and then another player would go down. That's, that's what made that winner, even even not not the actual shot itself, but like the, the way it come about. I, I'm just amazed how we the, the actual goal even happened because it was so stop-start. Partey <laughs> kicks it out for a goal kick, you know, and it's just sort of like, how does it, how do Partey, we even get to way, that? Crucial again. Obviously, the guy's fantastic, but he's he obviously gets the first goal back, and he's he's crucial for Ben White's goal as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great play, takes on two people, pings it wide to Reese Nelson for the cross. Brilliant. He's he's responsible for those first two goals essentially. Yeah, and 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 I and I, I I didn't want to get through this without kind of just waxing lyrical about our two centre backs um, because often in great sides it's the great it's the attacking players isn't it that get the the plaudits like because they're the ones that put the ball in the net you know that's what everyone wants to see Odegaard, Saka, Martinelli, Eddie's heroics against United you know this is Reese Nelson's like moment to shine but those two centre-backs and like that that um Ollie mentioned Saliba's like just crazy didn't know where he was going celebration Gabriel collapsed into the floor I think he was actually crying for, the, for yeah. that first part of the celebration um, and then telling Nelson at the final whistle that that was God, that was God. Like, yeah. And these two centre-backs are playing like advanced eights yeah. in these in these final moments of these games. Against United, they did it. Against today, um, today, yesterday, they did it. When you watch that final five minutes, Saliba and Gabriel are playing on the edge of the box of the attacking team, and they are two yard, two yeah, yard and they are recycling line. every single thing that comes out with pace, with precision, with accuracy. Saliba keeps the ball alive for the goal. Mm. So there was yeah. two moments where the ref can blow up. Mm. One was um, we have an, another corner. We have to say seventeen. I think it's a corner, and it bounces around. There's a half chance, but it comes out, and then it ricochets off um, part and it goes out for a goal kick. Mm. And I thought that's it. He's blowing up. He then kicks it, and they kind of get a half breakaway, and the ball looks like it's going out for a throw on. And again, if it goes out at that point, the rest probably blows up. Yeah. But Saliba keeps it alive because, like you said, he's playing on that inside right position. You know, he's playing like almost where Odegaard normally lines up at the beginning of the match. You know, Saliba keeps it alive and recycles the ball quickly. And again, and the attack comes. Um, well, I'd like to point out for all the naysayers out there who are saying, where did the extra minute come from? They had a play, I think it's Mepham, on the, on the floor for, I counted it, on the, I've seen the replays, 41 seconds. And the corner is awarded in six minutes, 33 seconds. So within that time, that's, that's added on. So the people can just... That's and that's, and what the fourth, stuff fourth official said to Arteta anyway, his words were, it will be at least six minutes. And that was at the beginning of when it started. He said that yeah. was what he told Arteta. So yeah, they can all do one, can't they? Um, no, I, I mean, again, I'm one of those fans, actually, of what they're doing in the World Cup. I personally believe there should be probably be 15, 20 minutes added on to almost every game of football because it's a joke how much time is wasted by this bullshit. The, the, the VARs, by the, by the the ball going out, and the, you know people play acting, keepers. Every time the keeper does that, NATO, it's 15, 20 seconds. And I'm like, he does that 12 times a game. It's already six, seven minutes just from his actions alone, let alone any injuries, substitutions, VAR decisions. I, I think it's farcical that we're not getting 25 half, half an hour in every game. Now, obviously... 
football then becomes a different sport. But we something needs to be done. But anyway, this moment, mm. look, we, we've rattled on. Um, how do we all believe this? Look, I, I did want to ask you, where were you? Were you? How were you watching, Tim? How were you doing that moment? Were you? Oh, it was one of those really w- weird occasions. A little bit like I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna spark a memory for you now. Um, 2002, Fulham at home, when we were on the, uh, when we were on the tube back from Macbeth. Yeah, well, we were school trip. Out, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, do you remember that? Um, so it was a similar experience. Obviously, we we, we were out, we were out for lunch, and then man, it, that sort of delayed things, and then I started to. I was on the train, the tube, then the train again. So I was in and out of connection, in and out of signal. Um, and for most of the journey home, just completely flat, really, because at the end of the day, we know now that three, point, it has, three points is the order, isn't it, um, of the day. So, um, yeah, then, then I had this like, amazing kind of drive home because I've got a very, I've got like a five-minute drive home from the, from the train station to my house. It was about 91 minutes. And I said to Rach, I was just like, right, I'm going to, I'm not going to check and I'm just going to pray until I threw out my drive home, got back, opened my phone and I had all you guys kind of like with all the um, notifications and um, I had my own little limbs in my uh, front room. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was, uh, yeah, not the same as being in the Emirates, but um, we all know what post, it feels like. Post-match limbs. <laughs> yeah, 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 post-match limbs, yeah. I just, I guess we can't really look forward, we can't look forward too much to Fulham. Um, but um, we've got a game on Thursday night, Ollie. Um, ringing the changes for Sporting. I very much hope so. Um, it might sound a bit negative, but I think we're in a position now where all of our eggs have to be in one basket. Um, our squad depth is better, but I think personally, I would be playing Holding, Kivio, Tierney, Tommy Asu, Turner. I'd be rest. I'd try be trying to rest as many players as possible. I think even if we were to lose to Sporting, I don't think that's going to affect the title. I mean, affect the uh, the kind of mood in the camp or, or or have any kind of negative effect. I would just use this as a real opportunity to rest a few key, well, five or six key players. Yeah, what we'll what we'll know from Thursday's um, it's, it's the earlier kickoff, isn't it? We'll we'll know, I guess, from that team selection, Arteta's thoughts about that competition because I've got a feeling that he's going to take it quite seriously, um, and I think we'll see a mixed team. He's going to make changes, of course. He, will. I don't think he's made as many as I'd like him to make. I think you'll see you'll see a Saliba um, play with maybe Kiwi or um, you'll see Tommy Asu and Tierney. You'll see Turner. You'll see probably Jacker. I think will start with Jorginho. Um, and, and I think it, that front three will be interesting. Will he, will he go with the lack of options? Will he go with Saka Martinelli um, or not? And, and I think he will, purely because of the lack of lack of options. But I do think he, he, he will want to sort of um, take this fairly seriously against Sporting because they're no mugs. Yeah, like, like I think you, the exact sentence I'd use is he'll he'll rotate but nowhere near as much as I want him to I think he will take it quite seriously and I do think that unfortunately we'll probably see at least one of Martin and the Osaka starting if not both of them because who else are you going to start I think Reese Nelson probably starts after the weekend because he probably still doesn't start against Fulham which I mean regardless unless Trossard's properly out or, or what have you um I don't know how Eddie's doing. Hopefully, it's just a knock and he can maybe come back for the league game because then you've got another option, particularly if Trossard, Trossard's out. But I personally would be... I'd be calling up Nuanueri. I'd be calling up, you know... Lewis Dubry. Yeah. Dubry. getting playing, mate, because... Yes, ESR can get some minutes. ESR, hopefully some more minutes again because I would be just resting everyone because 
look, of course we'd like to win the Europa League. Who wouldn't? Yeah. Who wouldn't like to win it? But we are definitely in this tight race now. We can talk about it all we want. We, it's, it's a two-horse race now as well. We are in a two-horse race with just 12 games left. Now, 12 games is a lot of games. It's 36 points. But we are well past while we're only halfway now. Do you know what I mean? We're well past that now. And actually, every game will feel like it's ticking closer, ticking closer. And for me, I'd just love to have one game a week now. Imagine we only had one game a week to the end of the season and they were just the league games. Yeah, and, and, and I hope that um, I hope we get some good news about Trossard in the next sort of 48 hours or so, because as we've learned in the last few weeks, and boy, we learned it yesterday, that options are necessary because they're the ones that are going to get us over the line, as we said a couple of weeks ago. And um, Exciting yeah. news about Jesus as well, then, obviously, with the Gabriel Jesus yeah, looking exactly. like being part of that warm-down training. Apparently, to me, obviously, warm-down training is warm-down training, but apparently they, they play like a little five-a-side game in that warm-down for the subs, and he mm. took full part in that, training, that little warm-down match. Uh, yeah, I, I think he'll be in the squad probably for Palace. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's the 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 excited um, part of me might say that could even be on the bench at Fulham. Who knows? Um, and I think what a timely what a timely return that will be. Um, we might be able to for listeners. We might be able to jump on the pod on Thursday. We'll see. We haven't had a chat yet about that. Um, but we might be able to have a little short breakdown of the sporting game for the first leg. And um, before we finish. We've got our guest Aguna. It's been a ro- rocky couple of time. weeks for rocky couple of weeks for the always Arsenal with uh, guest Aguna. Well, we got Poldy quite quickly the week before, but yeah, here we go. So for listeners, it's guest Aguna. I'm going to read out a list of clubs that a former Aguna has played for. Giovinia. Your job <laughs> is to your job <laughs> is to um yeah your job is to guess as quicker than anyone on the pod. Right, Sao Paulo. Sevilla, Real Madrid, Julio Baptista. Yep. Then Arsenal. Good old, good old beast. The beast. The beast. Wanted him the year before we actually got him, didn't we? Four yeah, months, yeah. Uh, that was one of the signings I was really excited for. Actually, I and mean, when we didn't get him at the time, I wanted to get him. No. Um, but then, yeah. yeah, never really. But, Apparently we've got a, we've got our own beast from the east coming in a few days, haven't we? So looking forward to the temperatures dropping. Um, but no, thanks again, listeners. Um, thanks, Tom and Ollie, um, and thank you to Reese Nelson as well um, for for that for that touch of a football yesterday. We will never forget it, I don't think, and neither will he. Um, but yeah, thanks, gents, for for this evening. Thank um, you. Cheers, guys. Thank you. All. And take care, Gooners. Always Arsenal. Henri will have to do it alone. Saka. Yes!